Well, once again, I'm back, and thanks to Radio Hope, Mike Myers, for joining me to end the first part of today's podcast. The second part is something that's been on my heart for a, a long time since I read about it, the GoFundMe for sportscasters. Yes, you know, we want entertainment. We want um, baseball back. They're doing antibody testing, and I'm going to ask my next guest, David Saltzman, who's actually been the spearhead of this GoFundMe. David, welcome in. Thanks so much, Alex. Good to be with you. First of all, how is everything in Texas? I mean, we don't talk, we don't hear much about the rates there. We don't hear much about whether they're a stay in place or not. What what's going on in Texas? Well, well, first, all thoughts with uh, you and everyone in New York, who, who of course has just been devastated by this. Um, in, in Texas, uh, the, the the numbers are high, not not near what they've been in the New York, New Jersey area, and places in the Northeast. I live in Austin, which is in Central Texas, um, and uh, the reported numbers, and of course, it doesn't include all the, the testing that has not been done. So as you well know, no one knows the exact numbers. But uh, Austin is in Travis County, and the number of confirmed cases just reached over 1,000. So definitely far fewer than what's been reported up there. Um, as far as we're concerned here, there's a shelter in place for at least the next few weeks. Everyone's expecting that that's going to be extended as well as schools being uh, canceled for the rest of the semester. Um, but from what I can see, although not everyone's following the orders, I, I think most people are. And, and like up there, hopefully, uh, you know, as the curve continues to flatten, we can somehow get to some small sense of normalcy sooner rather than later. Do you guys do the 7 o'clock cheer, uh, 8 o'clock your time like we do here in New York Eastern? No, no, we don't. It's still moving what you're all doing um, for, for all the healthcare workers and everyone that, that's going into this each and every day. No, nothing like that here, but, uh, you know, certainly thoughts are, are with all the healthcare professionals here. They're not having to deal with it near at the level you are, but, but certainly they are busier than, than they normally are. Now, as you probably know, a lot of us who work in sports, I do production work for Seton Hall basketball, and I help run the board when we do St. John's on our radio station. Um, by the way, to have them play one half and then cancel was just unreal. But when all mm -hmm. of these sports tournaments got canceled, all of our hearts sank. And then you, you do point out how you, the livelihoods of sportscasters during this were affected big time. Now, obviously, the economy is so weak right now, yet I know that sportscasters need to sustain yourself. So what? how has the results been of your GoFundMe and what... What is your hope with it? Um, in addition to economic, is it to provide hope also to sportscasters that they will get through this? A anyone who is in sports production, so so not the not just on air guys like myself. In full disclosure, sports is a second job for me, so um, I'm fortunately going to be fine. And the GoFundMe is is not for me, but it's for those whether it's on air or whether it's behind the scenes. And, and I would even argue that the, the behind the scenes people have the hard job. Play-by-play -play guys like me have the easy job. I'm not having to get there so early and leave so late. And, and one mistake that I could make uh, affects the, the whole broadcast. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you a story. And, and, and this was kind of in my head as I decided to put the GoFundMe together. It was in, I believe it was November. I was actually doing um, a championship game for Southland Conference Volleyball. I was in Arkansas, and I was talking to uh, one of our production guys before we would go on the air. And uh, the, the night before, he was in Dallas helping out with the Dallas Stars game. And the next day, he was going to go to Nashville to do a Nashville Predators game. And he talked to me about all these travels 
And I looked at him and I said, wow, I mean, you know, on, on one hand, it must be so exciting to go to different place to different place, but, but I hope you really love what you're doing with how hard you're working. And, and his answer was, I do love what I do each and every day. And then he said, but I need the money. Um, and that struck me that he was working and he's, and I'm 46 and he's older than me. And he's still going to all these different places, so many different days of the week just to do his work so he can get by. And that conversation stuck with me when all this happened uh, just over a month ago. I was even doing Southland Conference basketball when that conference tournament was canceled. So I was in a way in the middle of it. But I thought of him and and so many others that I've worked with and and similar to all all those who you've worked with in the past who all of a sudden their their source of revenue is gone Um, and to no fault of their own, of course. So I thought, goodness, if there's just a, a little bit that that I can do to put something together just to help those like them in some way, then, then it, it, it's certainly worth it. So, so it's not just for the on-air people. It's for anyone, audio, cameramen, um, engineers, producers, directors, anyone involved in this industry who could use a little help. Um, you know, certainly that's what this is for. And I, I donated because I, I am in that fight. I support everybody in that fight. And I, I just still have luckily a production job in radio, so thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, but let me add, let me tell you, let me tell the listeners if you're not sure, there are freelance engineers that go game to game, and that's kind of how they live, right, David? I mean, there aren't always full time yep. engineers. There's really a day game by game basis for some. Yeah, so for most of these people, they are aligned with certain production companies. And, and so they're typically, when I do games for, whether it's the Southland, and, and I'll do games on ESPN3, uh, a lot of games uh, at the University of Houston, some at SMU. So uh, they're, they're all what's called packaged games where production companies are hired by ESPN to pretty much put them on. And so then those production companies are hiring all these other people, um, everyone who's involved with the production. Um, but they are not full-time employees of that company. They are strictly independent. They are strictly 1099. And so it goes back to the example of the one person I mentioned where they're looking to um, be linked to as many companies as possible so that when they have these games, they are asked to um, help in some way, shape, or form. And that is how they make their money. Uh, so, so all of a sudden, now the production companies all obviously are hurting too, but these individuals who were dependent on these games, that source of revenue is gone. We know Doc Emmerich gave uh, a little homage to the truck when he mentioned it in his video about hockey, and I thought that was very moving. Um, but mm-hmm. So, David, they're doing the antibody testing in Major League Baseball right now, and I kind of have been thinking – well, if they do get games back, obviously they'll have to have the announcers. Obviously they'll have the, have the engineers. But I haven't heard that they're doing antibody tests for the, the guys that are bringing the game on the air. Have you? No, no. Uh, you're ahead of that uh, compared to me. I wonder even, you know, there are Remy broadcasts that are available. So do, do they even send the broadcasters to the sites? Or do they do them from one certain area, which could lead to better protection for them? Um, And then even so, if these broadcasts are being done in these localized areas, do they bring every single play-by-play voice and analyst for each and every team? Or do they condense those crews? I actually talked to a TV voice of an NBA team yesterday, and and he expressed those uh, concerns where, you know, if somehow the season resumes in the NBA and they do these in, in small areas, 
Are they going to need every voice of uh, a particular team, or do they condense those crews down? And if they do condense, uh, then that's going to leave some people out who, who are hoping to be able to get some more games in this year. Well, I don't know if you know the name Bob Wolf, but he, I'm sure you do because you're in the sportscast world. He, um, he of course, was the legendary broadcaster who called uh, Don Larson's perfect game. Well, in his book, he mm-hmm. wrote about how he got stuck in New York due to a snowstorm, and he did a Knicks-Cincinnati Royals, I think, or one of them, basketball game from the Empire State Building. So it can be done. <laughs> what a view, huh? I know. <laughs> How I did he imagine. pull that off? Well, because I guess they fed him the FX, and then he just did it as if he was at the game, which is pretty cool. So, you know, remote That's awesome. possibilities are there, and we're seeing all our TV anchors and crew – on all our news networks at home anyway. So maybe that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, and you, as you well know, all these leagues are looking through so many different scenarios. Um, you know, with the antibody testing, that isn't even proof positive yet, right? So we're, we're, in, we're in such the early stages. And, and I'm with you, right? I mean, we're all, I don't know if desperate's the word, but we're certainly hungry for, for some sort of sports to start. Um, there's certainly political pressure, it seems, on the NFL to – to get things going. And I think that's a big reason why they're still having the draft. Um, and that's a pro sports league. So, so they can hold their players to, even if to, to be sequestered for a long period of time to get the season going, you know, perhaps they can do that. Certainly college sports can't and, and college uh, presidents and commissioners even told vice president Mike Pence yesterday that there's going to be no college sports until students are on campus, all students, not just the student athletes. Um, you know, I, I would actually guess that the NFL is going to go first. I, I, I just have a hard time. I just have a hard time seeing NBA, NHL, baseball. Who knows, right? Because the, the, there's so many steps that still need to be taken. But but number one has to be the safety of the athletes. And uh, until we know that this antibody testing um, doesn't doesn't show so many false negatives, because there's so many different tests out there. There's not there's not even one that's been approved yet officially, right? Um, that you know, I just think it's it's a while until anything like that's going to happen. Well, we will we will have to see. I mean, they they were talking at one point in August. Now, of course, Los Angeles is saying 2021. Although, I mean, mm-hmm. not to get all off the topic here, but when they release studies that say 2022, I don't exactly know if that's healthy to publish either. Because yeah, it's reality, but then that just gets people way down um, below mm-hmm. any what we're dealing. With. And 2022, no one could handle that. Anyway, mm-hmm. so you're you're doing this for the for everybody in the broadcast uh, arena, and you've had a lot of feedback, and I know it's inspired people too, right, to do something similar in their area. So yeah, it's been nice. So, so I've been able to help about a dozen people, um, and about thirteen hundred dollars has been raised, which has been tremendous. Um, there's a man named Larry Leg. His last name is L A G E. Um, honestly, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he has been a longtime sports writer for the AP in the Detroit area. So he's done the, the pros teams in Detroit. He covers Michigan, Michigan State. Um, he has far more reach than I do. He has 12,000 Twitter followers. I have 900. So um, what, what he's done, he, he's put together a very similar GoFundMe, and that's helped about 100 people from what he told me yesterday, which is terrific. I'm going to keep my GoFundMe going, but, but certainly there's no competition. If people want to go to his uh, GoFundMe, 
His Twitter handle is Larry, then L-A-G-E, all one word. Um, and uh, there he, he has the link to his GoFundMe, which has helped uh, a number of people too. So it, it's been nice that someone like him has been able to start this because, again, he's just due to the number of years on his job and just how many people he knows. He knows far more in the industry than me uh, that he's been able to help so many people. Well, I'm praying for, now that we're talking about the engineers, I'm praying for Mike Infantino. He's the Seton Hall engineer and, of course, Madjkowski, Chris Madjkowski, the engineer for Mets baseball and St. John's basketball. I mean, here in New York, you know, it's been a history of Hall of Fame broadcasters, and thankfully I've been able to meet a lot of them and the engineers, and we're all praying for every one of them. And I know Mm -hmm. you might have heard our New York Post photographer passed away at 48 because of yep. Corona, I mean Anthony Causey. This is real people, and I do think the minute they canceled everything, I thought stopping the spread was the right thing to do. By we canceled it to stop the spread, and I agree with that. If we didn't do that, who knows how long this could have gone? So I'm praying that helped. Uh, all right, David. So to sustain our listeners, tell us some favorite sports memories of calling games, because I know that's what's getting people through right now. Wow. Uh, on the spot. So, you know, there, there's so many, um, you know, that, that's such a great question. I used to do radio with rice and they actually made it. Uh, they actually won over 20 games one year. Uh, they had three last second victories, which was terrific. I, I haven't done games on, 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 on such a high level that, that maybe the, the fans there in New York uh, would be able to remember, but, um, I, I actually called for ESPN News, Chris Beard's first big win at Texas Tech. Uh, it was uh, an overtime win over West Virginia, who was number seven at the time. Um, they hit a last second three, 177-76. The court was stormed. It, it was the most surreal experience I've ever had as a broadcaster. I never had anything like that. What's funny is that it, you know college basketball fans across the country now know Chris due to Texas Tech success from, from last season. And he's done an amazing job in, in Lubbock. Um, we actually had him on right after the game ended. He came to talk to us. And so we asked him some questions. Now it's not like on radio when the play-by-play person can be in charge of the broadcast and in the interview on his own or on her own. I'm having to listen to the, our producer tell me when to stop the interview. And then another question, and then another. We actually get the five questions, and I'm thinking to myself, shouldn't we stop this interview? And after question five, because <laughs> I'm still going because I have not been told to stop, uh, Chris, it, it, and he was very kind about it. He said, guys, I'm so glad I've, I've been able to talk to you, but I'm ready to go celebrate with my team. And he, right. yanks the head, he yanks the headset off and puts it down and just gets up and leaves. And, and we handled it well, I thought. And, and quite honestly, I, um, I was surprised he didn't do that sooner. But, but that was kind of an early for, for the nation because that was the win that, that got national publicity. Uh, that was kind of a first glimpse into um, Chris's personality. I mean, what you see, if you've seen a game and you see him on the side, it's all real. It's all honest. It's why his players love him. Um, but it was great to be able to be there because that gym was half full. They weren't near what they've been uh, the last couple of years. Um, but that was a great memory to, to, to be able to kind of see the, the court storm and, and get to see his program get their, their first, I guess, program building win, you can say, um, long before they, they were able to make it all the way to the national title game the next year. Where he, you know, and of course Virginia had that similar thing where they were knocked out. Mm-hmm. They had that motivation going into that, and I mean they did win it. But man, Tech held on and, and played them pretty well that whole title game. 
Yeah, they were great. And, and, and Virginia, I, I actually, a few years, have been able to fill in over Thanksgiving weekend during the football basketball crossover. And I, I did Virginia basketball um, over those weekends during those Thanksgiving tournaments. So a couple of were in New York, actually, in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Uh, I called for Virginia, the game where they held Rutgers to 28 points. Um, that was hard to keep the game to sound exciting when it's a 46-28 win. Um, I'll tell you, though, because, you know, I'll praise Chris Beard up and down. Tony Bennett is the same way where when you watch him and you, and you see the class he exudes, um, that is really him. There is nothing fake about him. And, and that's one, uh, maybe the big reason why he is so beloved because he's so honest and so genuine. Um, now, I haven't done a Virginia game in three years, but when they lost to UMBC, it broke my heart only because I knew how great people Tony and his staff and his players were. And to have to go through that. Um, and then, of course, come back the next year and be able to overcome everything they did to win the title. Uh, there was no one more to, deserving of, of them to be able to, to, to have that recovery from all they went through and, and be able to, to win that title and have that celebration. You mentioned Rutgers. Of course, we've been following them up here because they're a local team. And if the if the tournament was happening, they probably had a great shot to be in it because look how competitive they mm -hmm. were in the Big Ten this year. It was one of the big years for them. Yeah, what a great job, right? I love those stories, don't you? And, and, yeah. and I think Texas Tech's another example. Even Virginia, which which was kind of flat, so they weren't terrible, but they were never great until uh, Tony's fifth year there, uh, where you see those types of stories where these programs that have great fan bases, and, and as you well know, I mean, in that area, I mean, Rutgers was starving for any type of success, especially since they moved to the Big Ten. And to be able to have that success in basketball where I saw a couple of those games that, where the crowd is just so frenetic, it was like they were letting out years and years of frustration in one season to be able to support their team. And that's one of so many reasons why it's such a shame the season had to be cut off early because mm. – I know Rutgers struggled away from home, but, but who knows what, what they would have done. But yeah, just, just the emotion of being able to be in an NCAA tournament for the first time in so long would have been great for them. Miles Powell, his senior year cut short, and uh, of course he was a legend here in the Tri-State area with the way he would pull Seton Hall through games. And, you know, it was just, it's like you want to say it's not fair. But then again, I would say people who say that say, well, you don't understand what the impact was had we continued those tournaments. So it's tough to say mm -hmm. that it wasn't fair, but it also feels insensitive to say it wasn't fair because there was a bigger purpose to what the NCAA did, if that makes sense. Right. You know, and for all the NCAA gets their criticism, and a lot of it's deserved, frankly, they did they did the right thing and and canceling all spring sports early I, and i remember vividly so um i'm actually on the air doing the southland conference tournament uh, it was the first round when it was during a break and i just took a quick look at my phone and a little alert show that rudy gobert had um contracted uh, coronavirus and it was such an eerie feeling number one realizing wow it's did a professional sports league which now so many more people are going to relate to um because they they follow the nba and, and it just not that it isn't real beforehand, but it feels a little more real when it's relatable, um, when it's someone who you may not know, but you follow like Gobert or any NBA player. Um, and, 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 and so I see that during a break and, and then the game continues because uh, the, the tournament hadn't been canceled yet. And it was an eerie feeling the rest of the night because I thought to myself, how can we continue this when, when players are actually uh, now getting COVID? 
and who knows how much more it could spread. And of course, everything got canceled the next day. But the NCAA all of a sudden cancels the, the spring sports. And that's when, because obviously I had been following what was going on, but, but that's when it hit me. I thought, if they're canceling the whole spring semester, I need to take this even more seriously than I am already. Um, right. And then when you read more about it and you saw about the exponential growth in these other countries, um, and then when you saw in the United States at the time, uh, the actual numbers, even when the lack, with the lack of testing, was going up 25, 30% a day. That means the number doubles every two, three days. Uh, that's when it hit me that, wow, um, I think the NCAA did the right thing in getting ahead of it. And I think even others have, have praised them um, where they were able to make such a move in advance that I, I think a lot more people, not just me, but I mean, far, far more people all of a sudden realize, wait a minute, this is something we really have to take seriously. And so I'm driving back to Austin from the Houston area and, and going, wow, I, maybe we should stay at home. And that was the first time because of the NCAA canceling spring sports, as silly as it may sound, that was the first time where I thought, wait a minute, what should we, by we, I mean me, my wife, my kids, uh, friends, what should we be doing even in the Austin area um, to be able to, to flatten the curve? And, and so we had a little family over already that weekend, and, and we did go out to dinner once. And after that, uh, that was it. And so we started staying at home um, a good couple of weeks before the government here started telling everyone to stay home. Well, let me ask you this. So, uh, you know, it is eerie and uh, also uh, uh, prayers for Carl Anthony Towns. He lost his mom, mm -hmm. I believe, to Corona. I mean, this is a very real thing. And I appreciate you coming on and bringing a human side to sports casting because obviously beyond the calls, you you guys have a life. And um, and so I guess that's why I loved when Joe Buck posted a picture of his father. You know, he called um, 50 years later, he called the Niners – and the Chiefs, which is what his father called 50 years before. And I thought, this, right. is, this is so human, you know, and now we have this level of human. But I've got to ask, how have you kept in shape? Have you been, uh, you know, doing play-by-play -play off a of TV? Like, have you been replaying games <laughs> and calling it? How have you been keeping sharp? No, uh, great question. No, I, uh, I, I have not done one game. Uh, you know, it's probably good advice where, where at least I should. Um, but, but, but no, we, we, my kids are seven and five. And so they're still at the age where, well, fortunately they get along most of the time. And that's been a huge help for my wife and I, uh, but yeah, I've done the homeschooling with them. Um, we try to keep them active as much as possible. Um, and, and then, as I mentioned, the sports is a second job for me. I do financial advising. And so that's kept me really busy. Um, what I haven't done near as much of as I should is exercise. Uh, yeah, kind of the, all of a sudden we, we realized at least here in Austin, we're, we're in the fifth week, our family of staying at home. Um, and I haven't exercised near as much. So I, my, my advice to everyone would be carved out a half hour, uh, to try to exercise every day because it'll catch up to you pretty fast. <laughs> hey, while we're on financial ab, um, advisement, if you don't mind me going there for a minute, cause I'm curious now, um, SBA loans have been going crazy and now the stimulus issue what can you say to calm people down during this? Because obviously they want the stimulus check, they want the loan, but let's not crash the portals because that's not going to help anybody. Well, I, I can only answer that in general terms. Where if someone feels like they, if someone feels like they need it, and if they, if they, um, if they follow the criteria and um, they are eligible, 
um, then certainly they can they can look ahead and apply. The thing is that there are certain loans like the EIDL loan, um, which isn't even accepting new applicants. So my best advice would be, and I know this is hard, is to be as patient as possible. No one expected this to happen on. Well, let me let me let me rephrase that. No one could prepare to handle everything in a timely fashion as it has happened. Um, I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, th there's not enough people, whether it's with the government or with banks who are handling these loans as well, just not enough people to be to be able to handle the load of applications that has come in. Um, and, and they, I imagine, are doing the best they can to be able to process all the, the loans and the paperwork that they receive. So it's one of those things where it's hard to be patient because so many are dependent on that money. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's going to come to them as fast as possible. Well, I love that you do more than just one focus in life, and that's great because I feel like um, that can be applied to sports, right? Why are we telling kids they can only do one sport? They should be told to do m multiple sports um, because that's that's mm -hmm. the best thing to do, to be well-rounded. But I've got to ask you a couple more things since, obviously, sadly, no one's running to the arena. I know i got a few minutes with you, I think. Um, tell us about David Saltzman. How did you get into sports casting for – those who do listen to you and may not know that story. So, um, you know, my dream was to be the next voice of the, the Houston Rockets where I grew up, the Texas Longhorns where I went to college, um, anything like that. Uh, casting high school football games in my head when my older brother was a cheerleader <laughs> in high school. So it was one of those things where, where, where I kind of did it at an early age, and one day I realized, well, maybe I can do this as a profession. So, um, you know, before I got into financial advising, I, I was in broadcasting full time and I lived in small towns. I, I did uh, one double A sports uh, back in 2000 and 2001 uh, that fell through. And, and so that's how I started my financial advising practice, but got very lucky uh, in 2007 and became the voice of uh, Rice University. Uh, which currently plays in Conference USA. Um, and so that kind of that got me back into college and slowly but surely it's allowed me to grow into TV or, or, or whatnot. So so I've always wanted to be around sports. You know, I'll, I'll even kind of transition to this. That, and you said the word well-rounded. The one advice, piece of advice that I would give people in our industry, and this is something I did not do. So, so it's my one regret, or I would say I didn't do it until uh, – way later than I should have, is if you are in broadcasting, to be well-rounded. This is whether it's on-air or off-air. If you're off-air and you're on the technical side, learn as many tricks of the trade as you can. But if you're on-air, because I wanted to be in radio, and that's all I did for years and years. And, and when someone brought up TV, I said, ah, I don't want to do TV. I was pretty stubborn and just told myself I don't need to do TV. And that's a big regret of mine because – in the industry, the more well-rounded you are, so if you're doing radio plus TV, maybe you're writing a blog, the more you're doing, the more people you are getting to know. And as you well know, Alex, the more people you know in this industry, the better chance you are going to have to be able to get games at the level that you want. Um, a big reason why, frankly, I'm able to do some games directly for ESPN. I've done a few for ESPNU the last couple of years. Um, I'm not a heavy hitter, but I am on I am on their list. Is frankly because when I was at Rice, the video coordinator there now is in Charlotte working for ESPN, and I kept up with him. I've kept up with everybody. In fact, when I got the Rice job back in 2007, 
It was because a former um, a person, that, well, a person that I had worked with in Austin over 10 years earlier had become the program director of the first ESPN radio station in Houston, and they were carrying the Rice games. I would have had no idea that the Rice job was available if I didn't keep up with that one person throughout the years. So the networking is important, but you're, you're going to know more people if you do more than just one thing. And if I just did radio, uh, then I would know some people. But now that I've branched out into TV and to other areas of broadcasting, um, it's exponential. I know far more people than I have, and that, I hope, is only going to help me continue to get these types of games that I want. So don't be stubborn. Be well-rounded. Learn as many tricks of the trade as you can, and especially know as many people as you can because you never know when that connection is going to lead uh, to you to get some type of job that you really want. Hey, you know, you, you have such a story. Would you do podcasting during this? Like, you know, give people some more information about, you know, talk about what you're thinking on your own podcast. Have you thought about that yet? <laughs> um, so a little bit, um, you know, fr frankly, the, the financial advising job plus, uh, you know, having to, to be with my kids. My wife works full time. So she and I are alternating days and we're with the kids the whole day. And then at Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're talking on a Thursday. That's my those are my days to take calls. And my wife does Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, I would I would love to be able to start that. I, I just haven't been able to carve out the time to do it yet. And, you know, in, a, in addition to those in the industry and how they can sort of stay sharp, and I know they will. I mean, they are the best of the best. And, by the way, uh, Gary Cohen and the team here for the Mets are doing Periscope live streams of MLB The Show play-by-play, -play, which is pretty neat, mm -hmm. actually. But I've got to ask you, what is your advice for up-and-coming uh, sportscasters that are still maybe in college and have had their um, teachings, their radio shows in college cut short? Like, what – what do you tell them that's struggling to figure out how they can make it in sports, which is already tough to do, but now add this to it? Yeah, um, well, we're going to right? We, we just don't know when. My advice would be what I just said is there's one thing to hone your craft. And, and so when you're just starting out, absolutely listen to every game you do. Be as critical as possible, but, but don't, don't get down on yourself uh, because – we're all going to make mistakes very early on, um, but hone your craft. That is important. But in the long run, it is strictly not as important as getting to know people. I've known quite a few people who are amazing broadcasters. I mean, their play-by-play -play is, I mean, unbelievable at a level far higher than, than mine. And yet they weren't able to get as far as they wanted to. And it's strictly because they didn't know enough people. They didn't network. I mean, one, one example would be because you don't have to get in touch with the same person every week. You don't want to haggle them. But um, if you're sending out a demo over email to somebody and you don't hear back from them, don't get down because they're getting demos from so many people. So keep following up. Follow up every two to three months. Sometimes don't even send a demo. Just say, hey, just wanted to check in. Um, you know, hope, hope all's well. Very interested in working for you. And, and then even offer to have a phone conversation. Can, I, can, I, can we set aside 10 minutes so that I can call you to talk about what you're looking for in someone like myself? You might not get an answer then. So try again another two, three months later. Never stop trying to network. And if someone doesn't get back in touch with you, What's another email to send them in two to three months? It, it takes virtually no time. And the more people you're doing that with, 
it's a numbers game. The more people you're doing that with, the better chance that one person is going to get back in touch with you. And that could lead to a connection that can lead to getting games that you want. So again, hone your craft, become as good as you can at play by play color, whatever you're doing, but never, never stop getting in touch with people. That is the networking is the number one thing to do. If uh, you want to get more and more games or, or do more and more of what you want to do. Well, I'm definitely going to look and listen back to this because you've got some strong advice and some really great advice for, for broadcasters, both experienced and up and coming. And uh, one more thing, a couple more things. Where can we find the GoFundMe? What's the web page? And can I guess we find it through your Twitter? Yep. So the Twitter's the easiest way. Uh, so my Twitter is David Solzman, all one word. And uh, the last name is spelled S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N. Uh, the GoFundMe link is um, pinned, so it's right at the top if you go to my profile, so you can do that. And then I do want to stress, um, for anyone who can donate, I mean, awesome. I, I, I've had donations as small as $5, and, and I have one donate $500. If it, uh, the $500 one obviously was tremendous, but it doesn't matter how much. If you can, uh, then, then that's wonderful. But for, for I, I have been a little surprised that I haven't heard from more people who are in need of help. And I know that's a very hard thing to do, um, but if someone's listening and they're in our industry and there's, of course, so much uncertainty over when we're going to even have games again, please feel free to reach out. Obviously, I keep everything private. No one's going to know who I'm giving money to. But I created an email um, to get in touch with me if um, you do need some help from the GoFundMe, and that is DS, DS GoFundMe, which is one word, uh, so I probably shouldn't have made it that long, but uh, DS GoFundMe at gmail.com. Um, and please reach out, and uh, everyone that has has received uh, some money, um, and uh, that's the guarantee that, that I make that if someone reaches out and, and says that they need a little help, I don't know how much it's going to be. It obviously depends on how much is donated from here on out, but um, I guarantee they'll get something. Well, I definitely started to share this a couple of weeks ago, and here we are two weeks later, and I got you on. So I'm very happy that you were uh, so accessible to talk about this and to talk about the needs of, of the sports casters, the tech teams. I mean, we all say we want sports, but we sometimes forget what goes into bringing sports back, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Absolutely. No, go for it. Go for it. Well, no, I, I just wanted to say thank you um, for, for spreading the word uh, because, I mean, as much word that can be spread, hopefully more money can be brought in to be able to, to help more people. Um, and certainly thoughts, my thoughts are with everyone having to go through this, but especially those in your area and, and just how horrible it's been. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a few years since I've been to New York, but it's my favorite city to visit. Uh, my wife and I were actually going to be there in a month. We were going to see Ricky Gervais. I don't know why he hasn't canceled the show yet, but uh, I imagine he will. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we love New York and the people there are, are just terrific. And, and our thoughts are with you all as you continue to go through this. And we all know nationwide how sports can get us through tragedy. And I'm pretty sure that when this all is lifted, my goodness, is it going to be an emotional roller coaster at these stadiums, arenas and, and elsewhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, you know, uh, I'll want to go as a fan to kind of celebrate with everyone else. And certainly, uh, and I'm speaking for you too, Alex, uh, we can't wait to get behind the board or put a headset on and, and finally get back to what we love to do. Amen to that. Well, David, thanks so much for joining. We will have you again soon, uh, if you don't mind. I'd love to have you back on. 
Absolutely. Yeah, please stay in touch. Will do. I'm Alexander Garrett. Talk to you soon.